Is that what I'm saying? Rough trade radio. 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 And welcome back to the Rough Trade podcast. This week, following the recent publication of his brand new book, Crossroads, radio broadcaster, musician and writer Mark Radcliffe chats to me about his own personal crunch point and how it inspired him to think about turning points throughout music history. It is such a fascinating read. It's also a really funny read. Um, So, yeah, stay tuned for that coming up very, very shortly. Rob is also back and isn't so much rounding up as highlighting a fantastic reissue this week. George is also back from holiday, yay, uh, with lots of news from NYC. Really glad to have him back. Plus, we have the usual little roundup of some new releases. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. First up, though, and I'm going to go to an upcoming Rough Trade exclusive, this time from American rockers Turnover, who released their fourth album all together this November. The new record demonstrates the band's mix of personalities, and although the album was written while the trio were living on opposite coasts, it actually makes for a super collaborative piece, um, really, really representative of the relationship a band can build over the years. So that's really lovely. Um, you can pre-order all together on Rough Trade exclusive purple and yellow splatter vinyl. And yeah, check this track out from it. This is Much After Feeling.
that was Turnover. Very much looking forward to that record. And we're really, really excited to have the exclusive on that. Going to be good. Next and new this week, we have a bunch of brilliant Rough Trade exclusives, actually, including new ones from Joe Armand Jones, which is the album of the week at Rough Trade UK this week. We've got uh, an exclusive for Richard Hawley, also Warish, and also Ebony Steel Band. Now, I'm going to pick out Ebony Steel Band as a focus because this is such a unique and really, really joyous album. Um, the band celebrated their 50th anniversary this summer, and we have a particular fondness to them also because they are based in West London, so very near to our Rough Trade West store. Um, the album was recorded in two sessions at The Pool in Elephant and Castle in April 2018 and also 2019. And this LP is essential for fans of craftwork, electronic music, and of course, steel bands. And it features seminal electronic songs like The Model, Space Lab, Neon Lights, Tour de France, The Robots, Computer Love, and Computer World. So... Yeah, don't miss uh, the Rough Trade exclusive. We've got a red vinyl edition and here is a little taster. This is Computer Love.
That was Ebony Steel Band and Computer Love. Next and Life release the follow-up to their 2017 debut with new album A Picture of Good Health, which sees the band hone in on a bigger and more focused sound. I flipping love this record. I, I haven't discovered life until now. I've only found life now. How we, there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't really know their uh, debut record. And I came across this maybe a couple of weeks ago, the new one. And I was like, whoa, this is totally up my street. Um, but yeah, if you're a fan of Squid, Yak, Sports Team, Egyptian Blue, Parquet Courts, then this will totally be for you. Um, what more to say? I'm just going to let you listen to it. Uh, this is the last single that was released, I think, before they released the record. Um, but I think it is a great intro to the album, at least for me anyway. Um, so yeah, enjoy. This is Life and Bum Hour.
was life and don't miss the orange vinyl edition of that and they are also doing the rounds at rough trade uk stores this week um i think by the time you hear this bristol would have happened but they are playing rough trade nottingham tonight and they are playing rough trade east on thursday so do come and join us at those if you can promising to be really really exciting i'm definitely going to be there that's for sure next up and a rough trade exclusive for the us also available at rough trade uk vivian girls return after a hiatus with new album memory an album filled with personal reflections on toxic relationships the false promise of new love mental health struggles and finding ways to accept oneself amidst it all um the band have known each other since they were teenagers so really really nice to see them making music together again i think they went on hiatus i think it was about five years so pretty long if you're a fan so really lovely to see them back together again and to give us a rough trade exclusive no less and we have it on maroon and light blue vinyl i think limited to about 200 copies yeah so do grab one of those if you're keen because 200 will not stick around for long and yeah here is one from it this is vivian girls and lonely girl
That was Vivian Girls. And next up, we have Rob with a release from a band you can't be on the fence with. Hello, I'm Rob. And I want to sort of dial it back a bit. Let's not just throw in a load of roundup of those reissues. Let's take a look and let's focus on one truly remarkable reissue that's come out this week. And this is a bit of a personal thing for me because this, in your narrator's opinion, is a release from one of the greatest, if not the greatest band of all time. We're talking about The Replacements. Do not at me. We're talking about Minnesota's favorite sons. This is a band you can't just be on the fence with. You can't be, "Ah, I don't mind them. If you're into them, you love them. They're that kind of band. The Mats, if you don't like them, (laughs) I kind of pity you in in a way. Dead Man's Pop arrives 27th of September from our friends at Rhino in collaboration with Sire. Um, it's less a kind of reissue if we're going to be pedantic about it and more a reappraisal of uh, the band's sixth album proper, but their third album on their third, on major label Sire. It's their first proper box set, an alternative version of their uh, quite disappointing sixth album, Don't Tell Us All, which they say on the box... This is uh, Don't Tell a Soul as originally intended. This is the Don't Tell a Soul that the band want you to hear. Um, Don't Tell a Soul was their third major label uh, record with Warner's Sire Records, who signed Paul Westerberg's uh, band of self-destructive misfits on the success of the bonafide masterpiece Let It Be, The Best Let It Be. Uh, after putting out Tim and Pleased to Meet Me, which despite them sharing some of Paul and the band's finest moments, didn't really do that major label business that the big dogs are after. And uh, in an attempt to make the long-awaited jump from college radio staples to national radio standards, they took to the studio with Matt Wallace, who's a kind of a real pop rock producer, a man who could really lay on that 1988 radio rock sheen. But what they came out with was a record which, decent enough songs, kind of it wasn't the replacements. Um, On this box set, there's uh, some sessions, some famous sessions with Tom Waits. And Tom Waits kind of describes the band best when he says that they're like a three-legged dog. And that's that's what makes people love the replacements so much, is there's no sheen to them, there's no shine, there's no BS with them. They are what they are. And you could see them live and you could be watching the greatest band and then the wheels could suddenly fall off. And it's that unpredictability, that dancing on the line, which makes that band so special. Dead Man's Pop comes as a nice big LP box set, which has one LP and then four CDs. And the main component really of the record is Don't Tell a Soul Redux, which is the previously unreleased Matt Wallace mix, which takes the bands, it takes away what... Um, made Don't Tell Us All quite unpalatable. It was a very, very glossy record. And with that, the replacements aren't a fine dining experience. They're home cooking. They're nourishing for the soul sort of stuff. And that sort of rawness is a lot is what you want. You don't want smears on your plate. They're a band that always played to their strengths when they were stripped back, when it was more personal, where you could actually find out the heart of this band, where you could really hear this band could actually go pretty heavy and really rip. And with these unreleased mixes, you can really actually get the sense of what it's like to be in the band, with the band in the studio, 
drinking all the mayhem that's going on. And I think that's why people love them. They're the sort of band where you want to be their best mates. The rest of this release uh, includes some alternative mixes, which they recorded in, in Bearsville studio. Some really, really wonderful, intimate versions of um, I'll Be You, Aiken to Be, Portland, which is still a mwah, tune. Uh, and you really do get a bit more of um, a bit more of a sense of what the replacements really are like. There's those much fabled sessions with Tom Waits, um, which I imagine was an incredible night, a very, very boozy night, um, kind of kindred spirits, those lot. And also like probably like the real meat and potatoes of what make this band so good is there's um, a two disc live record, uh, which was recorded at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, 1989. Apparently at this point in their career with the catalog that they had and the sharpness that they were at, apparently this is almost peak replacements um so there's some incredible versions we've got alex shilton which there has been um a preview track of that which of course <laughs> rips uh i will dare um another girl another planet so we've got some of the covers in there and also uh, something that i'm really interested to hear is uh replacements cover of goodbye to jane by slade a band that again kindred spirits and uh, a big influence on paul and the gang I could go on about this band forever, but I'm going to leave you with uh, a little taster of this box set. Um, also, if you do want to know more, uh, Bob Mayer has done the sleeve notes from this, and he also did Trouble Boys, which is the biography for replacements, and it is a wonderful piece of debauchery. Some of the best rock and roll writing I've ever heard. Some of the stories are absolutely wild. Um, anyway, I'm going to leave you with Talent Show, which is, uh, again, it's the this alternative mix, uh, Matt Wallace mix. And it's a story of this band as uh, entering into the great big world of major labels as a talent show. And, you know, they know that they're a band almost ready to fall to bits at every point. But here they go. Uh, yeah, this is Talent Show. Tonight, tonight, we're gonna take a stab Come on along, we'll grab a cab There ain't much to look at, so Close your eyes, here we go We're playing at the talent show Playing at the talent show Come on along, here we go Playing at the talent show Check us out, here we go
Thank you, Rob. Really enjoying that one long highlight of a record. It's really nice if we like mix it up. So some weeks, Rob's probably going to do like a little snippets of each record. If there's a few out, and other weeks, he's just going to proper fangirl over like one record that he loves, which is always good to hear and nice to see. But yeah, next up, and we have 521. And this week, I had a very lovely chat with the very lovely Mark Radcliffe. Welcome to the Rough Trade podcast. Thank you very much. Congratulations on the publication of your book, Crossroads. Um, I think it's out into the world in a couple of days' time. Yeah, on Thursday, I think. Yeah, yeah. at the time of recording. At the time of recording, indeed. Yes, yes. Um, the book is tagged in search of the moments that changed music, but it is also tied in very closely and inspired by the moments that changed your life. Yeah. Um, when you reached your own personal crossroads. Yeah. Um, you'd just turned 60. Uh, your father had very sadly passed away and then you were diagnosed with cancer of the mouth and throat, a hugely eventful and I imagine extremely difficult time. Um, but it was actually a trip to the US with some friends um, and visiting the iconic Mississippi Junction where Robert Johnson, of course, met with the devil that gave you the actual idea for this book. I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about how the idea for this book unfurled when you returned from that trip. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, it's an amazingly atmospheric place, Clarksdale in Mississippi, you know, which uh, which I went to. We were, I went with two old uh, friends from university. Um, we went to, we, we were going to Nashville and Memphis, but someone said, oh, you should take the Natchez Trace Parkway, which is this road through the forests that goes into uh, Alabama and other places um, uh, between the two. And that, that way you go past Tupelo, which is where Elvis's uh, sort of uh, birth shack is still there on okay. the same place, which is quite a cool place. And someone else said, oh, I think Clarksdale, Mississippi, is quite interesting we went there and it blew me away it was like a film set of a small yeah. american town it was amazing and on the junction outside of it as you said on the uh, intersections of highway 61 as in revisited bob dylan highway 61 and 49 this is where robert johnson uh, met the devil um if you choose to believe that of course it hinges on accepting that yep. there is a god and a devil but yep. anyway it was a faustian pact where this kind of itinerant blues musician of no particular repute was supposed to have done a deal with the devil to, uh, uh, in return for his soul to give him some earthly riches through uh, giving him great songs and great guitar licks. And so I stood at this crossroads and had a picture and people kept telling me, you know, because of all the other things he said about my dad dying and, um, you know, the, the, the getting cancer and reaching 60 and it felt like what people call a crossroads year. Mm. And so when I started thinking about writing something, and I, I, I'd done a program about Dr. Feelgood as well, and Charles Shaw Murray, the veteran journalist, had said that that said, oh, they stand at an interesting place on a crossroads yep. in British music, where a lot of things feed in, and a lot of interesting different things feed out. So the concept of the crossroads just sort of hung about with me, really, when I started doing this. And when I started writing it, it became clear that you could interpret crossroads different ways. There are physical crossroads, like with Robert Johnson. Yeah. But also there are crossroads on a, on a personal level, 
level for someone where, you know, something changed in their lives that made them go in a different direction. Or there are musical crossroads where something happens often by chance that just sends music off in a different direction. Yeah. Or there are crossroads in society. Like, you know, I talk about the, the rise of Bob Marley and reggae and where when the um, Empire Windrush docked and the first Caribbean immigrants came, that's a crossroads. Mo so, you know, I sort of loosely interpret crossroads in different ways. But the further I went along with it, the more it's pretty, sometimes you start off with a grand plan yeah and it and it sort of dissipates and dilutes and and this seemed to get stronger really so the point that when we get to more or less the end finishes with Jimi hendrix playing the star spangled banner on stage at woodstock which did seem to be right at the end of the 60s another sort of musical crossroads really with america mm. in vietnam and him playing this distorted and, and you know wildly discordant version of the national anthem and that seemed a crossroads moment as well <laughs> it is as you've highlighted there it's incredibly diverse the book and I love how you've set it out and it kind of darts all over musical history I think in one chapter you go from Genesis to Girls Aloud in about a paragraph you're right that's a concept album thing I was quite yeah. surprised I hadn't been aware that Girls Aloud had made a concept album <laughs> about being a young woman living in London yeah yeah and you remind me also of the Sarah Man album Christopher Lee yeah that really cracked me up when yeah. I that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but how did you begin to kind of structure the book were there some really standout moments that you thought, right, I have to include that because I remember that and that was huge and yeah. kind of intermixed, I suppose, with some that you researched and discovered for yourself. Exactly that, really. I mean, um, you know, so I started off obviously writing about Robert Johnson because I'd been at the crossroads and that was where it began. Yeah. And I also had a meeting. I speculate that perhaps I met the devil when I was in uh, Memphis, you know. Um, and um, so you've got to, uh, you'll have to read it to find that bit out. But the, <laughs> um, uh, and, and so that bit, and then the second bit I wrote was about Black Sabbath, which was, you know, so I, I grew up listening to white rock bands, really. Yeah. And how an accident on a, a, on a machine lathe cut the top of Tony Iommi's fingers off. I mean, he couldn't hold the strings down. Yeah. So he had to detune the guitar, which gave it this really low kind of growling sound, which Ozzy Osbourne described as like the gates of hell opening. And so they sort of heavy metal accidentally in yeah. a way so some of those I did know but I I, I also um my taste of music is incredibly wide. You know, yep. people, some, I've just made an album with with my duo, electronic duo called Oon, and I love electronic music, and people are quite surprised that someone who presents a folk show on Radio sure. 2 is doing yeah. electronic music. But, I mean, I've just never really put my own music into genres. If I like it, I like it. Yeah. And you like a range of things. And I wanted the book to be like that as well. And I always think with, like, the radio shows I do, with the books that I write, I always want them to be welcoming you know so yeah. i don't want people to look through and it all be can or stockhausen yeah. or things. you know i like people to look through and think oh gloria gaynor i i will survive or donna summer yeah. i feel love you know i want it to be i mean i've got great respect for people who make quality pop music you know um and um i want it to be as varied as possible but um yeah the, also you know there had to be a crossroads moment in each one so that you know even though I'd love to have put ABBA in there or something, yeah. then I, I, I couldn't find a way to get them into into yeah. the concept. It is so diverse, though, and I really love that chapter, talking of pop music. Um, the one, It's Got to Be Perfect, where <laughs> yeah. you talk about the idea of the perfect pop group. It's so funny to read, but it's also, you read it and you're like, oh, God, that's so true. Um, I mean, I won't give away your winner of the perfect pop no. group. But... Um, Let's mention some of the criteria. So it's four members, I think a dress code where it's 
personally interpreted by each member, a narcissistic front man, um, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, There's got to be four. Yes. There's got to be four. It's got to be the singer in the middle at the front, the drummer at the back. That's it. The um, um, obviously, it doesn't work for grime or electro, this. No. And then a bass player on one side and a guitarist on the other. And so that rules out the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And it also, I also rule out the Beatles because um, the bass player's got to be the quiet one. Like in The Who. And so yeah. George had to be the bass player in The Beatles for them to be the perfect group. But I think that thing about style is right, really. I think when I think about my favourite bands and artists, you know, it, you, you always slightly distrust bands who wearing matching shirts. Or mm. you used to, although I used to love the monkeys and Yes, things. yes, you mentioned the monkeys. It's always that idea that they, they look like a gang who belong together, but it's not a uniform. Yeah. And I think, that, I think there is something in that, for yeah. sure. All the best bands have that. Did you start to think about the perfect pop group and your ideas for it when you're writing this or had you already had these beliefs for a number of years? No, I think it came about, but, you know, there are certain things that I think are sort of design classic, really. And, like, you know, if you've got five members of a band, you're going to have to have two on one side and one on the other. And it's Mm. like, how do you get that to look right? Yeah. Or, you know, you've got a lead singer who plays keyboards. You can't have keyboards in the middle of the stage. (laughs) It's just wrong. You know, some of these things are just wrong. Damon Albarn. (laughs) Well, Damon Albarn, yeah. But but quite a lot of the time he doesn't have them there, does he? No. He shifts them to one side because I think he realises that... it's problematic, really. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, no, I do. I mean, even things like I'm a drummer, you know, and so I've never liked having, uh, I never liked seeing a drum kit with two tom-toms mounted on the bass drum. That looks wrong to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's a drum there and there's a cymbal there. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Have the other ones around the side if you must have more. <laughs> but, you know, so I sort of, you know, I like the idea of the, of it, it, there is a perfect template for things. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we won't give away who the perfect no, we pop won't. group you are. No, we won't. You have to read that. I was, <laughs> I was intrigued. I've got to say, um, what was the most surprising thing you discovered uh, when you were kind of researching and writing this book? Was it maybe something in relation to music, or maybe even about your own personal journey? Well, um, I suppose the really the most surprising thing for me was that I was able to get it done. Really, because there were times when I was ill from the cancer, and I just couldn't write. Mm. Um, I couldn't read, you know, I just it felt so ill that you just couldn't concentrate on anything for long enough. And so um, when I look at it now, and we sit in your uh, little lavishly appointed cell here at the back <laughs> of Rough Trade East, and there are piles of my books all the way around where we're going to yeah. have to sign some of these, I think, or maybe all of these. And so I do feel an enormous sense of pride that I got it done. Um, and, um, you know, but I, I think the other thing is that I was surprised by how the music is very disparate, but the people who made it were sort of united by that pioneering spirit, really. Mm. It was funny how many times the Brian Eno quote, uh, honour thy mistake as a hidden intention. It was it was funny how many times that came up in relation to the Beatles or in relation to Giorgio Moroder making Donna Summer records. You know, all these people who'd had the kind of bravery or arrogance or self-centeredness to follow something that was like not what they expected it to be when they started out on it. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. That, 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 you know, it, it, it just something happened and they thought, hang on a minute. It's almost like a eureka moment. Yeah. So all these different kinds of music, you know, they just, that, that everybody seemed to have a moment where it just all coalesced and condensed into, into, into this point, which, you know, quite often influenced the generations of pop music to come. Mm. And speaking of of your moment, 
not to sound cheesy in any way, but mm. do you feel that writing this book was very cathartic for you? Um, yeah, I suppose it was. It, to be honest, I was interested in the stories, but, you know, it, I think it, it did help me to kind of think that there was... I, I wrote a little bit about the John Lennon thing, and it's been, you know, to sneer about John Lennon. Mm. Imagine no possessions. Say, so, yeah, all right, mate, you're sitting in a big white mansion in Tittenhurst Park, <laughs> you know. And I do think that, um, it, you know, he um, is imagining a world where things could be better. So I, I chose to be more generous to him than other people are in that. And I think, you know, whilst we sit in this world that is so chaotic and so mad and like, you know, it's probably changed what's happening with Brexit since we've been in here now. You know, mm. there's probably mm. Boris Johnson's probably come out and said something else. Yep. You know, and so um, and but I sort of so I clung on to that idea that I thought I was going to be well and feel better. Mm. Um, but with the John Lennon thing and things like that, imagine this world, you know, just the possibility that things could be better mm. in every way, really. Better mm. for me, that I would be healthy again, which I am. And, you know, all these, um, you know, people like John Lennon, people dreamers in pop music who thought it was going to be better. But just the general climate at the moment, you know, surely, I mean, you're much younger than me. And surely you must hope that there's a time that's better than this. Oh, 100%. That where politics is kind of ironed out and we know what we're doing you yeah. know i suspect now it will have to be post brexit whatever the fallout from that is um but i think you know um it was just that really i don't think brexit was particularly part of it at that time although you were aware of the of the chaos of the world unraveling and mm. and, and um you know i think that uh, the book did plot me through that a little bit and i think it is i think it is an optimistic and generous book yeah so do you think that in writing this book and kind of turning your quite negative time into this yeah. kind of positive book and experience, is that kind of been, I mean, I mentioned cathartic, but has it changed you as a person in any way or how you look at your life now? Does it, yeah. Do you look at your life in split sections, kind of the pre and post? Um of these crossroads? Slightly. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it really was a crossroads year, I think. You know, I mean, I'm 61, so maybe I'm three quarters of the way through. Maybe I've got a quarter to go. I don't know. Um, and um, it, it's made me... Um, I remember talking to Wilco Johnson when he was. He thought he was dying. And uh, he, he said, I went to Mount Fuji and it was snowing, but there was blossom out. And, mm. I, and he said, uh, this has stuck with me again. He said, um, I remember looking at it and thinking, I will never see this again. And I've never seen it before. So the moment is the now. It is absolutely just this moment that mm. counts. And that's what we, and, and I'm a bit like that, really. That this is no time for... There's lots of guys my age. You say, oh, music was loads better when I was a teenager, which clearly it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it was just that you were a teenager yeah. and excited by it. Yeah. Um, if you're a teenager now and, you know, you must have been thrilled with Stormzy headlining last... You know, we all have our moments that define... But, I mean, you know, um, this is no time for me to be crippled by nostalgia, even though the book is about old records. It was mm. about people who were looking to a future. Mm. And I'm very much forward focused now. You know, I, I love having a new book out. I've got a new album coming out, this new electronic album. I love doing new things. A couple of people have asked me to do, you know, reform a couple of old bands to do things. I'm not interested. I find I'm just not interested. I'm not in that headspace. I'm looking forward. Mm. Right, I've 60 years have done this. What, what can we do with the next 20? Yeah. So I think the, the writing was a process 
uh, part of that process of, of coming to that. I mean, I don't think it's very profound. I think most people who've had something sort of life-threatening would say the same thing, really. No. That it makes you it makes you learn what to value. Yes. And things that used to bother you. And, yeah. You know, and there are moments from my past that I cherish, lots of them, but I don't want to go back there no anymore i want to keep going forward to new things yeah i mean i guess it is that cliched thing of when something significant happens it makes you stop and yeah appreciate everything it really does it really does and so you know you know you can sound a bit kind of i don't know i I remember lying on my bed the other day it was raining it was really pouring down i didn't go out all day i lay on the bed and read the read a book and um and, and i thought this is great because, you know, without over-dramatizing it, I thought I might never see rain again at mm. one point. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so you can take a joy in everything from that Wilco Johnson thing. This is a nice moment and it's the, the moment is the now. Yeah. You know, so I've become very obsessed with, with the now and the future rather than the past. Mark, thank you so, so much for speaking to me. As I said, it's such an amazing book, incredibly warm, really illuminating. Um, I was rereading some chapters on my journey in this morning and I was literally laughing out loud in the carriage at some part, (laughs) which is all great. Um, But it also made me really reflect on my personal crossroads, I think. Right. um, Which I think is pretty unavoidable as you go through this book. Um, So congratulations again. Oh, thanks. It's brilliant. Um, All the best with it. Um, And could you pick a, a song that we could play you out with that maybe has some relation to the book? Ideally. Well, yes, yeah. Um, thanks for all the nice things you said about it. That's very kind. I mean, I think that because it's called Crossroads and because there's a little picture of Robert Johnson yes. on the cover and because the, the author photo is me standing at that crossroads um, and uh, where Robert Johnson met the devil, allegedly, um, I think that, you know, we had the uh, the original recording of Robert Johnson and me and the devil blues. That, that sets the whole thing up uh, nicely. Mark, thank you so, so much. upon my door Early this morning ooh, When you knocked upon my door And I said, hello, Satan I believe it's time to go Devil was walking side by side. Me and the devil was walking side by side. And I'm going to be my woman until I get satisfied. You don't see why That you would dog me round Now baby, you know you ain't doing me right, don't you? She said you don't see why That you would dog me round It must be that old evil spirit So deep down in the ground 
you have dialed can't take your call now at the tone please record your message when you have finished recording simply hang up or press the pound key for further options hey guys where you been all right you're in england yeah i was i was gone right i went on vacation so that's why i haven't heard from george last couple weeks i was getting a much needed vacation um returning fully energized refreshed that ought to last me about two hours into my first shift and then back to stress because there's so much going on here at Rough Trade NYC. That's why I'm calling you. Let's break it down. Okay, first and foremost, for those of you counting your dollars and cents, we have the Cheap Thrills sale. We have selected about 30 different records that we, some of them you may know and love already, but a lot of them we think are cool kind of um, deep cuts that you need to add to your collection and they're all for less than 15 in fact most of them are like 12.99 uh some 10.99s in there we're talking artists like os mutantes bo diddley joe baton bikini kill uh the delphonics roland kirk lee morgan a lot of good jazz in there a lot of good world um definitely check out our cheap drill sale there's a uh, you know, the homepage, there'll be a link. You go check it out. You buy stuff. Um, what else is going on? Well, we have, oh, the pre-order of the week. I got to select my pre-order of the week. It's been a while. I would have hyped this one a couple weeks ago when we first announced it, but I was gone. But it is, it's kind of like a, a double dose of awesome Prince releases. We have the 1999 Deluxe Edition, which is super deluxe um the lp i believe is 10 records <laughs> and the cd is not too shabby i think that is five cds and a dvd so this is like everything you'd ever want from prince's 1999 and stuff you probably didn't even know existed even you deep you know prince heads might not even know about this stuff additionally there's also a new prince book coming out and there's been a slew of Prince books, um, even before he passed away, but of course after he passed away. But this is probably the first really, really important one because this is comprised of his own memoirs, um, his own photos, scrapbooks, lyric sheets. It's called The Beautiful Ones. Both of these items are up for pre-order on our website. You can check them out. You can give them some love. You really ought to. Let's talk about the book of the month. The book of the month. Well, guys know Can. Yes, you can. It's Damo Suzuki's memoir. I am Damo Suzuki. Very cleverly titled. Um, it's great. I've just kind of dug into it recently. Haven't finished it. Don't worry. No spoilers. He joins a band named Can. You might know about that. Anyways, um, fascinating story and definitely worth the read lastly i think um i'm just going to talk about we had a uh, ride 
signing copies of their new album. Um, what is this? This is a scary place. This is not a safe place. I'm forgetting the name of the album. It's a great album, though. Um, as a shoegaze diehard, I was very excited to see this return to form on this one. Um, they came by the store and sold some, um, sold. Well, they, they signed, I sold them. They signed them, um, their record. And, um, I think why not play it out with some, uh, track from their new album. Now, uh, this is a song called Clouds of St. Marie off of the Ride album. This is not a safe place. Much like Brooklyn. Get me out of here, guys. All right, see you next week. Bye.
you, George. Really enjoying that Ride album. Obviously, Nige and I were giving it a lot of praise over in the Rough Trade Albums of the Month podcast a couple of weeks back. Um, but still really, really enjoying it. Not that two weeks, you know, you get bored of it, but it's great. It really is great. Um, but we have reached the end of the show. And this week, I'm going to dive back into the Rough Trade Essentials. So when I was browsing the seemingly endless list... I was just getting a bit exasperated because there's just too many good ones. So I was scrolling along and I was like, ooh, going to play that. And then I was like, no, wait, that. And then I was like, hang on. There's just too many here. Maybe I should do something else. But then Parallel Lines popped up and it rang a bell with me because we are just about to, well, we're not about to release it, but Debbie Harry's memoir is on pre-order. I think it's coming out next week on the 1st of October. And... Yeah, it just rang a bell with me and I stuck those two together and I was like, this could be good, this could be good. Um, So the memoir is called Face It and it includes an introduction by Chris Stein, personal photos, fan artwork, illustrations, the lot. It is out next week, as I say. We do have some signed copies, which is very exciting. I believe all of the ones on pre-order are sold out, but we should have some physically in the shops on the day of release. So if you're really keen for one, run on down and grab one. Um... So yeah, the book's coming, so that was really exciting. And it just ignited me to sort of dive back into a bit of Blondie, which never gets old. And as it happened on the day I was doing this, it was exactly 41 years ago that Parallel Lines was released. So I was like, well, that's a funny coincidence. So it just all seemed very fitting that it should get a spin on here. So this is the album that changed everything for Blondie, firmly establishing them as major stars. And what a record it is. Thank you so, so much for listening. I will be back next week. And this is Blondie and picture this. Bye.
Rough Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.